It's the end of the world as we know it, and I feel fine. This is the hour of doom. And bloom. That's right. The famous Nurse Amy has become a regular part of our podcast again. Thanks for all your cards and letters asking for the return to normality as we reopen our podcast. Now, by the way, you can take off your headphones. We have determined you cannot get COVID-19 through your ears. (laughs) I I think, at least. (laughs) And with that, friends and neighbors, welcome to the Doom and Bloom Survival Medicine Podcast, a place of peace in a pestiferous world. (laughs) I'm Joe Alton, MD, that old Dr. Bones of Survival Tops 50's Reader's Choice website, three years running, by the way, or four, maybe, doomandbloom.net, where you'll find over 1,200 articles, podcasts, and videos on medical preparedness. And I'm Amy Alton. I'm an advanced registered nurse practitioner and a certified nurse midwife. We are actively licensed medical professionals, but be forewarned, we sometimes go outside the conventional medical wisdom. Sometimes not just the outside, but (laughs) somewhere in another state. So... Before we start, you better listen to this. Absolutely. All information and opinions voiced on the Survival Medicine Podcast are for entertainment purposes only and do not represent medical advice for anything other than post-apocalyptic settings. We strongly urge our audience to seek modern and standard medical care whenever and wherever it is available, if it is available. True (laughs) dad. True dad, ladies and gentlemen. That's right. Don't listen to us. We're just... A lonely voice in the vast wilderness, a plaintive echo in the vast wasteland, a word of wisdom lost oh in the gosh. vast How wind. How long does it take you to vast, make vast, this up? Vast, vast, <laughs> vast, vast, vast. All right, move on. Come All on. Right. Content. Well, all right. Well, recently I wrote an article about the drug remdesivir and the fact that it's the current front runner in the race to find a COVID nineteen treatment that actually works. Well, the relatively expensive remdesivir replaced chloroquine and hydroxychloroquine in the minds of many as a favored option due to recent claims of heart complications caused by chloroquines in some studies. In in addition, some say the chloroquines have insufficient evidence regarding their effectiveness. As a matter of fact, something came out on CNN just the other day to that effect. There are studies that are still in progress, but the question is, are they looking at the right combination of drugs? The chloroquines entered the spotlight when a New York physician named Vladimir Zelenko claimed that his patient population avoided, for the most part, the ravages of severe COVID-19 infection by taking the following outpatient regimen that we have mentioned before. Hydroxychloroquine, 200 milligrams a day for five days. Azithromycin, 500 milligrams once a day for five days. And zinc sulfate, 220 milligrams a day for five days. Hydroxychloroquine is an inexpensive, well-known drug used for decades in the treatment and prevention of malaria. As a matter of fact, I think it was actually started or actually developed first in 1949 and then again in 1955 when hydroxychloroquine came around. Azithromycin is a popular antibiotic. It's mentioned in a number of different podcasts of ours on our podcast channel as well. Zinc sulfate which is important, we're going to talk about that in a second, is a supplement of an important mineral. President Trump has focused media attention on hydroxychloroquine by speaking favorably about it, which has unleashed a storm of criticism by 
his detractors. The polarization around the drug therapy has become political and spawned a number of studies about whether hydroxychloroquine is effective against COVID-19 or not. The media says it's not. The studies that claim the chloroquines are ineffective, as far as I can tell, only evaluate the effect of chloroquine alone or in combination with azithromycin, the antibiotic, but without any mention of zinc. Yet, Dr. Zelenko not only used zinc sulfate, but feels that it is this material, this mineral rather, that slows viral replication. The chloroquines act mostly as an aid to zinc. Some people call it an ionophore. The azithromycin is added only to prevent secondary bacterial infections, not to combat the SARS-CoV-2 virus itself. Zinc indeed may be the most important part of the combination, yet it appears to be left out of the studies that you're hearing about on media outlets. Therefore, it doesn't surprise me that a chloroquine would have questionable benefit if you didn't add zinc supplementation. It also doesn't surprise me that at the higher doses used by some studies, adverse reactions to chloroquines would be reported. After many decades, we figured out what an optimal dose is, although it's for malaria, of hydroxychloroquine. Testing it at a higher amount, especially at a much higher amount, those doses, well, should increase the amount and severity of side effects. I want to talk just for a second about zinc. Zinc is an often forgotten aid to help, found in every cell of the body, second only to iron as a mineral, as a matter of fact and is integral to immune function and many other body processes. Failure to maintain adequate amounts of zinc is not uncommon in those people that are over 60, the population that seems to suffer most with COVID-19 infections. Zinc allows the body to produce and activate immune cells that respond to infection. Now, zinc may also modulate the body's immune response in order to prevent the severe inflammation that can destroy lung tissue when the system goes haywire, something called cytokine storm. We've talked about that before. That's what's killing many severe cases of COVID-19 patients. The problem is the body doesn't store excess zinc, so it has to be obtained in your diet somehow or in supplements. Uh, foods that work to give you more zinc is, uh, let's see, beef, shellfish, nuts, cheese, chicken, and oats. Zinc toxicity can occur if excessive amounts are taken over time, but Dr. Zelenko's regimen called for only five days of treatment. Now, it's true that Zelenko didn't perform a peer-reviewed, random, double-blind, controlled study, something that you would see in usual university studies. He used personal observations on his own patients and some protocols used in Asia and France as the extent of his evidence. So therefore, I'm not really surprised at the criticism leveled by academics on the data of this private practitioner in a suburb of Brooklyn. I know, however, how lab findings and statistics can be shaped at least partially to agree with the scientific or even a political agenda. For example, how many people given high doses of chloroquines already had heart disease or were experiencing heart complications? How many given a placebo did? How far gone were some of the patients that experienced a bad outcome? There are a lot of different factors that complicate statistics. That's the problem with statistics. If you're going to fairly evaluate success or failure of a particular treatment regimen, you got to duplicate the previous methods, Dr. Zelenko's methods in this case, as closely as you possibly can. Just testing chloroquine and azithromycin together 
but without the addition of zinc is insufficient in my opinion to say that this treatment protocol is a failure. Until a study includes zinc, university scientists and the media shouldn't assume. So, the missing link, that may be the missing zinc. I'll admit, I, just because I haven't found results of a study using chloroquines and zinc sulfate as part of the protocol doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. I know that one started a few weeks ago, but results won't be available until the end of the year. If you know of a study with bad outcomes out there that includes chloroquines and zinc and has been completed, please send me a link at drbonespodcast at aol.com. That's drbones. For those people out there who can't believe that there may be political motives behind some of these studies, well, remember that the universities where these things are done aren't exactly Donald Trump fan club members. You know, they really, really don't like Donald Trump. And the faculty that runs these studies, well, they may have their own agenda. Yeah, there, I just said it. Believe me, it's not just English professors that have political motives. It runs into the science departments as well. When you confront these people, they're not going to say that they just wanted to prove that Trump's statements about chloroquine are baloney. But if that were true, they would have duplicated the methods used by the doctor in Brooklyn exactly. They didn't in most cases. And they can say, well, next we'll try it with zinc. Indeed, there's a study that includes zinc with hydrochloroquine, but the results won't be available until, guess when, December. And that's well after the election for president. Yep. The scientists that say chloroquines don't work know that there's a lot of media attention available to anyone who will make that statement. You've seen basically how some outlets take that story and run with it and get as much publicity out of it as possible. I'm open to looking at the evidence and I believe the studies that use only chloroquine and zinc, well, we need to see those results. Yeah, of course, chloroquine won't make much of a difference because you're not including the antiviral action of zinc, but what are you going to do? The azithromycin isn't there to treat the virus. It's to prevent secondary bacterial infections, something that kills a lot of people who get the flu and could maybe be involved in the death rate from coronavirus too. It's the zinc that is the key. That is the bottom line with regards to this. One other thing, many of these studies are using this stuff on people that are in the ICU on a ventilator already. So this combination of drugs is not meant for people that are too far gone and need a machine to breathe for the particular patients. It's gotta be given early because the immune system can go haywire. Once it does that, well, you're going to have a significant death rate. It may not be the entire answer, but neither is remdesivir, and that's according to Dr. Anthony Fauci. He says that remdesivir may not may be part of the answer, and that's great, but it's probably going to be part of a combination of drugs, just like the chloroquines are. If that's the case and we find that combination, well, that would be great, and there wouldn't be anybody happier than me. We just have to make sure that whatever it turns out to be, whatever the treatment is, that's available to everyone that needs it. Politics doesn't just rear its ugly head with drug therapy and COVID-19. It's affecting the policies of just about every state, and it seems to involve whatever party controls that state. It seems to me that the rules regarding the opening and reopening of a particular state depends an awful lot on political motives. One party wants to open up the country as soon as possible so as to avoid a permanent financial disaster. I can understand that especially considering that there are segments of the population that are less affected overall by COVID-19 than others. 
Yes, regardless of what you read in the news, children and younger adults are indeed less likely, much less likely to get really sick. Yes, they should wear masks when they're in groups of people out in public, but did they have to close the schools? That's going to be interesting to really, when we really look back at this, to see if this was absolutely necessary. You may have to have kids wear masks, and maybe young kids wouldn't be able to tolerate that. Wow, that's... I don't know what to say about that because it's very difficult for children. They've had some kids have difficulty breathing. I don't think you can put masks on kids, honestly. Well, how old it's can you much. be? How about can you be thirteen? Yes, yes, so, they can do it in high schools. So middle schools, maybe and... middle schools depends on how big the kid is, but definitely high schools. I mean, it's a big problem. Shutting down part and not shutting down the other. There still would have been transmission because kids don't have symptoms. They're asymptomatic. You can have an entire classroom with asymptomatic kids that pass it to the next classrooms they all move to and their teachers. And then everyone goes home and comes back the next day and transmits it more. I mean, I just think the schools would have been a hotbed even without sick children, which apparently there are a handful that are getting sick now with a unusual disease. But I just think it would have been sort of a Petri dish, an undiagnosed Petri dish because the kids weren't sick, but they were transmitting it and then maybe bringing it home to grandma and grandpa. That's, that's the issue. It wasn't so much to protect the children from getting sick as it was to keep them from being the ones who are transmitting it around easily because these kids don't understand social distancing they're all on top of each other it's playtime well that's the thing we have to have really understood the purpose of social distancing with regards to this and so if kids live with grandpa and grandma it may be hard to keep six feet between them but most kids don't live with grandma and grandpa. And also, most teachers, once they hit 65, which was the high-risk range for really getting sick or, mm-hmm. or dying, let's mm-hmm. say, from COVID-19, there are not a lot of teachers that are uh, that are working past the age of 65. As a matter of fact, I don't know if there is a typical retirement age for teachers, but I know that teachers rarely are working beyond the age of 65. You don't see a lot of 75-year-old teachers out there. Well, if you're talking about elementary schools and high schools, probably not. But definitely in the colleges, they don't go anywhere. Because as they get older, their lives get a little bit easier and a little bit easier to where they're just kind of supervising other teachers, not really doing a lot. Well, the problem is. They still like to work. (laughs) You You see the really old professors that you thought, well, they should have retired 20 years ago, but they're still there. Yes. They don't want to leave. They go in, they do some papers, maybe they look at someone else's work, shuffle some things around. You know, maybe they have a meeting or two, go to lunch. <laughs> now, I'm not saying, and you're, and you're absolutely right, I'm not saying that there wouldn't be some kind of effect, you wouldn't have some more cases if you hadn't closed schools mm-hmm. and if you hadn't ended the jobs of people that are in their 20s and 30s which is basically what what has happened. But I would say that the percentage of people that got really sick as a result, if people were taught how to avoid passing it on to older folks, mm-hmm. I don't know that 
it would have been necessary to close the entire country. Now we'll never wait, know, but well, you that, do know that hindsight. we'll never know. That's hindsight. Yes, you're playing Monday ba- Monday morning quarterback. quarterback yes. yes, exactly. But the problem is, is that this is not necessarily the last pandemic that we're going to deal with. We've deal- dealt with a lot of epidemics just in the last few years with Ebola, mm-hmm. Zika, all that other stuff, and so I'm expecting more coronavirus or maybe a different coronavirus in this one it could be the same coronavirus coming every season every winter season and mutated and mutated sad, sure, sad, sure. sadly in some form slightly mutated or seriously mutated which would be awful if that makes it even more transmissible and even more deadly that would be absolutely horrific well more likely to occur than that it would be just this same one mm-hmm. just like just a little bit different, slight just variation. like the flu comes around, slight slightly, slightly variant right. every year. And so I think it's time for us to put together a national strategy so that we don't close our country the way we did this time no, and risk total ruin. Because we may still undergo a total ruin. We're not done as far as I'm concerned. Well, that's because everyone got frightened. Well, they scared everybody to death. If you leave your house, you're going to die. I mean, basically it was plastered all over. It still is. Social distancing. Even now, we go to Home Depot. They wouldn't let us walk in the garden section. I just wanted to buy some soil, a couple bags of soil with our big cart instead of the little shopping cart, you know, because you throw soil on the bigger ones. And the guy wouldn't let us walk in. We had our masks on. I just saw two people walk in. They only had one entrance. Redirected us to to the other side of Home Depot. Which is not Which is not near the garden (laughs) section. And I didn't need to go in there anyway. So they basically exposed me to an indoor atmosphere where I could have just stayed outdoor, which is safer as far as I'm concerned. So anyway, some of this is just like, oh. And we got yelled at. Was we tried to walk into the garden. All right. So my thing is... I don't even want to go shopping anymore. I understand completely. <sighs> so the bottom is, did you have to? Did we have to end the jobs of people that were in their 20s and 30s or even 40s? I mean, the people most likely have bad outcomes over 65, suffering from underlying health problems or obese. Most of the younger people or a good percentage of the younger people that died from COVID-19 mm-hmm. were very obese and there's certainly a lot of people like that in the united states so i think that masks and limited lockdowns for people in high risk age groups education as to how to not spread things within a family i think that may have been enough if we could have convinced younger folks to wash hands and wear masks in the company of older relatives and co-workers we might have been able to continue and that's what i think is going to happen in future outbreaks of this particular virus and maybe other viruses as well. So if you're talking about an alternative um, beginning, and you and I were talking about masks very early. I mean, you and I talked about masks 10 years ago. And every single time, you know, flu season came along. I don't know how many articles and podcasts and videos we've done talking about masks. Including the one that was titled... If you're not wearing a mask, you're nuts. Right. So I believe if they would have implemented mask wearing 
instead of saying, oh, no, those don't help. Well, yeah, they actually do help. And there are studies that say they help. Don't listen to a bunch of YouTube people who are saying, oh, masks don't work, don't wear them. It's bull. They do work. And they even do cut down on some of the things that you're inhaling, too. It's funny. They do these studies. You talked about this. They do the studies and they show the mask. If you want to make a mask look like it's not going to work, take an air gun and shoot particles through it. Yeah. Oh, gee, it doesn't block. Well, when's the last time something came at your face at 60 miles an hour? Yeah, they don't shoot viruses out of a cannon. Do you understand what I'm saying? People are inhale are, are breathing out or talking loudly, or maybe a sneeze or a cough, yes, things might go far in the right condition. If you're, it's a windy beach, they're not going to fly into your face, even if you're two feet away. It's going to be carried away from the wind coming through the, from the ocean away and dispersed dramatically. But it's not going to be pushed into your mask at that kind of velocity. So you can do a study, like you said, that shows that masks don't work by shooting particles at a mask and seeing how ineffective they are. Or you can do it in regular normal conditions where people are just talking and there's not a huge velocity of particles flying out of someone's mouth, even if they're talking loudly, that would shoot through a mask. I would like to see them prove that. Especially a three-ply mask. So I'm going to stand in front of a mask and talk and see if it gets through. And I guarantee you it is not. Now, if it's open on the sides around the cheeks or you didn't pinch the nose clip down, then, yeah, maybe it could float in there. But there's also going to be a certain amount of viral load that even gets you sick. A few particles are not going to get you sick. If it is, If it was that highly contagious, pretty much every single human being on this earth right now would have had it already. I'm not saying they would have died because it's not that death rate, but we all would have had it already. If it was that easily transmitted with just a few particles of COVID, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I do. So early masks would have helped us not have to shut all of this stuff down. Everybody have better hygiene. I, it's I'm so happy about this one thing people are actually paying attention to what they touch and cleaning their hands because unfortunately there were just a lot of people who didn't get that in health class or maybe they didn't take a health class just didn't wash their hands went to the bathroom walked out (laughs) took care of food didn't wash your hands before touched all kinds of things in stores and didn't consider that they have just contaminated themselves and then they touch their eyes, nose, or mouth. Now we have a little more education. I'm happy about that. But if we did early education with hand hygiene, respiratory hygiene, wearing masks inside of closed areas. I do not, sorry folks, think that anyone should be wearing a mask, walking on a sidewalk, jogging, or walking on a beach, or sitting in a restaurant outside No one should have to wear a mask. That is absolutely, utterly ridiculous. Unless you're in some some party, block party. I saw a picture of a block party where people are standing five inches away from each other in a a mass of 30 or 40 people. If you have some airflow around you, 
I'm sorry, you don't need to be wearing a mask. Well, I want to tell people, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that because I wanted to talk about something that Dr. Deborah Burks, who is the our national advisor, I guess, for for the coronavirus, one, one of them at least. Um, as a matter of fact, her title is White House Tax Task Force Coordinator for Coronavirus. Mm-hmm. Uh, she warns that even though states are beginning to reopen, they should still maintain social distancing precaution and wear masks where appropriate. Now, where appropriate. Right. This is what I want to say. She says, and she agrees with you, there's scientific evidence now with all the experiments that a mask does prevent droplets from reaching others. And out of respect for each other, as Americans care for each other, we should be need to be wearing masks in public, but, which sounds like it doesn't agree with you, but then she says these next four words, and they're very, very important. When we cannot social distance. Right. It's really critically important. We have the scientific evidence of how important mask wearing is to prevent those droplets from reaching others in that situation. So the weird things that I'm seeing here mm-hmm. is when we cannot social distance, and social distancing we decided is six feet, right, right. from each other. Uh, we have a bike trail that runs parallel to the highway near here that's separated from the road by about 40 or 50 feet of water, of canal. But I still see on occasion bikers that are wearing masks on that on that trail. And honestly, you probably don't have to wear a mask in that circumstance. Or if you're hiking a secluded trail in the Smokies. Oh. Or if you're sitting on your own back porch. Wait, here's a good one. You probably don't need to. No, here's another good one. I see people wearing a mask in their car by themselves. Right. <laughs> Sorry. Go. I have to laugh at that. <laughs> and I'm thinking, who is going to give you COVID when you're in the car by yourself? That's right. <laughs> it's probably not not too likely that's going to happen. Now, I would say that once oh my you, gosh. when I go into a, the car, I do use some hand sanitizer, yes. and you do too. We yes. spray we spray uh, some alcohol or do, or do whatever it is that we need to do to feel that we are hand hygiene. Hand Absolutely, hygiene. Right. exactly. So, this is the thing that I think is really important. Uh, you know, sun does help in, key, in killing the virus. We do put our masks on the, and in South Florida, we have a lot of sun. Oh, it's intensely hot right. in our cars. It's, right, and so. And the UV lights. Yeah. I mean. So we have UV lights. Plus, we don't go very often now to the grocery store. We used to go daily because, you know. You wanted. We wanted food fresh part. food. I don't, I hate frozen meat. I just, if I have the time and I can go with. Our grocery store is five minutes away, yep. two miles. Five minutes if we hit lights. That, I could go get the food, come back in 15 minutes, I'm back home with fresh food. Now we go, I mean, it had been a week since we went. So if we're right. only going inside of some place once every week, whatever was on the mask that's sitting out in the car is long dead. That's right. And and on the other, on the other hand, what you can do if you happen to have a number of separate masks if you have you know like six five five six seven masks Mm -hmm. you can just rotate them out and use them alternate alternate them from a daily basis if you still need mask guys out there well i'm sure that amy still has some on her website i do on her store i do limited number but i have them and i'm desperately trying to get some more kn95s that's like banging your head up against a wall every five seconds Oh, yeah. Absolutely. We have got to produce this stuff here. I pray 
that there are companies out there that are going to invest in the very expensive machines to make the not only the N95s because there's a machine that'll make that, but we need the machines that make the material here. And that right. melt blown material is very, very special. And guess where all of those machines are made, guys? In <gasps> China. In China. And guess where they're not letting them come to? Here. <laughs> right. And I'm sure they've jacked the price up. You and I looked at that in January because we saw this very early. Right. And I thought... When my first order got canceled, the end of January, got, quote, rejected, which I had never seen an order rejected for masks before. When my first order got rejected, I looked at you and I said, oh, here we go. The government's seizing them. The hospitals are seizing them. I'm probably not going to see another mask for another year. And it's basically been like that. <clears throat> but we looked into the machines and I think at the, that point they were fifty thousand dollars for the machine, and and that's just the machine that's to not produce. The raw materials, that's right. not the raw material. Can you imagine what the raw material is? Melt blown material is is super yeah. complicated. Sort of fabric and paper. Well, it's yeah, it's it's it's, it's a it's a mix. It, it is a really really specialized thing. It's interesting if you want to learn about that, you should look it up. But, so you've got to get two things. One, to make the materials. And it's not just melt-blown material. There's also other materials in the layers of these masks. But those are much easier to, to find. But to make all of that, we have got to do it in this country. We can no longer rely on any other country, any other country, to send us these personal protection gear items. We were able to have, we have plastic here. We were able to make plastic, so we've been able to make some face shields. Right. There are companies, I saw um, a picture of one that said Ford on it. I don't know if Ford is making them. Yeah, they repurposed some uh, uh Well, they're making ventilators. To make ventilators. They're making ventilators. I don't know what else they're other making. Thing, probably other things. But I know there are some companies here that, were, that had the machines to make plastics, and they just, now they're making masks or face shields. That's great. It's the mask problem. Now, we can also probably more easily make those three-ply surgical masks, the blue ones. Yes. Everyone's seeing with the ear loops. Yes. But it's those N95s that give you the extra protection when you're the healthcare worker that are basically, sadly, folks, all made in the area of da-da-da-da-da-da, Wuhan. Right. Yes. Shockingly, the place where the virus came from is the location where most of the N95s in the world are produced. Now, there are other places that make them. I think there's some in Mexico. I know the UK, 3M has at least one facility in the UK because I know the 3M N95 masks that I have right here around us mm -hmm. say UK. That's where they came from. The, I don't have any Asian ones for those masks right, so that I, I had. But anyway, we do need to make these things here. Now, I do want to say that, you know, cloth masks are what you are recommended to be using so that other people that are medical workers can have the manufactured masks. The truth of the matter is, is that if, especially if you are going to be a caregiver, and the, the CDC indeed endorses you as a caregiver, if there's somebody with mild uh, COVID in your own home, right. you are a medical worker too. So if, if there are masks available, and there are, you know, not only us, but other people that have masks uh, manufactured masks available mm -hmm. you should definitely have a supply and this is something 
that I'm not telling you just now because we happen to have mass, but we've been telling you this for a decade. All right. So you, if you don't have mass as part of your medical supplies, then you are not medically prepared. Oh, I, I want to talk a little bit about some things that uh, we predicted before. I want to have some more predictions. You know, as we reopened, there are words that have sort of permanently entered our vocabulary, social distancing, that phrase, telemedicine, self-quarantine. You haven't <laughs> didn't, These are a lot of words you didn't hear much uh, about know, right? a, a few months Added ago. Added to our vocabulary, right, sadly. Right now we're hearing and using them daily. Ugh. And there is no denying a coronavirus outbreak has dramatically changed a lot about just about every facet of life. And not just here, but around the world. Oh, I, I have one more thing to talk about. Restaurants. Okay. What oh, I'm asking you, right off the top of your head. Well, that's you, one of the things. What do you think? What do you think about these states and counties requiring people to wear masks when they go to eat at a restaurant? I'm not talking about the employees. The employees need to wear them. All the all the people who are working, putting your food together, cooking. Although I feel really bad for like the fry chefs. Can you imagine over the heat oh, trying boy. to fry a burger with a mask on? Oh yeah. Oh poor thing. Gotta be hard. So, That's almost dangerous, I think, because that grease flying up, that could catch that mask on fire. That's very scary. But what do you think about, let's say you and I, which we have not, eaten inside of a location in months? <laughs> I would do I would what, do it. What, what, what do you think people should be doing? What do you think the restaurants should do for the patrons? What should they require the patrons they should, to do? They should have require the patrons to do, or the not the employees. Staff. We already discussed the patrons, employees have I think, to wear. I think the patrons should be able to go in without doing anything special. I mean, I think they should wash their hands. I mean, there's not something that's going to be physically available, visibly, physically visible, mm -hmm. other than maybe some. I get have some hand sanitizer mm -hmm. available that people can at the front door. Right, not not the hand sanitizer you touch, but the little machines that yep. that spit it, it spit it out. Right, you know, basically, I would do that. I make have everybody do that before they walk, walk in. in. I would uh, just have somebody uh, do the little forehead. Uh, temperature. Okay, so I've got to get my uh, so I've got to use hand sanitizer and I've got to get my temperature checked and then before I I'm think, allowed to come in and eat. Then I think you should sit down. In... I'm already annoyed, so it's not going to be a pleasant situation. <laughs> okay, well then so I, you you're know what? If I'm sick, to... I'll stay home. Mm -hmm. I think we need to start taking some personal responsibility. Right. If you are sick, just stay home. Don't go to a restaurant and expose people. Wait, Right. We have to treat each other like adults. I don't, I don't think I want my temperature taken. If I am walking into your restaurant, I'm no. not sick. Well, I think you should. No, I, I don't think you can just assume So you that want them to take our temperature at the front take, door. I think they should take temperatures at the front door. Oh, my gosh. And I think that... Uh, we should. And we then should I'm be, never eating in another we restaurant should be asked, again. You know, we should we should use a little hand sanitizer <laughs> when we walk in. That a little I agree hand, with. Little hand sanitizer as we walk out. And I think those what two things. What about the sitting arrangement? I think you should sit uh, at tables that are six feet apart. What about these tiny little cafes? Think about Pizza Heaven, this yeah. little pizza place. How are they going to make money? They're not making everyone they're six not. feet apart. They're, they're not. That's our favorite pizza place. I, but, they're going to go out of business. And I and so will thousands. As a matter of fact, oh, hundreds of thousands of other horrible. of other businesses. As a matter of fact, this is what I was just about to talk about a little bit. Uh, there's a lot of things that are going to change and are going to be permanent changes. 
uh, in society. I mean, think about 9-11. I mean, since 9-11, the airport security, that permanently oh, changed. Uh, yes. Counterterrorism efforts. TSA. No-fly no list. TSA. Still the norm. And the same is going to be true with COVID-19. There, so there are a number of trends that you're going to see. Now, a lot of businesses that are considered non-essential, like a maybe a restaurant would be a non-essential business, right? That need that I think that word still needs its definition to be refined a bit. Things like retail stores, maybe hair salons, restaurants, warehouses, offices, you know, they're brick and mortar locations that closed and they may not have the financial wherewithal to survive with these physical locations shut down or forced to have twenty five percent or thirty three percent of the capacity. They can't. They, they were probably barely surviving before. Right. You can't take a small shop and tell them, okay, now you can only have one-fourth of the people. And if they get a bigger location, which is going to cost them much, much more money, even if they still only have 25 or 50% capacity, they're still not going to be able to pay that rent. So even increasing their space isn't going to help these small businesses. It's like you're telling anybody with a small amount of space, oh, sorry. Only the people who have the bigger spaces are going to be able to survive. Well, I think what they're going to do in a number of areas, areas that have a lot of restaurants, like if there's a, a part of town that is where the restaurants are, mm -hmm. I think what they're going to do is make some of these streets pedestrian streets so that, like in Europe, mm -hmm. a lot of restaurants have a good amount of seating outside. Right. And well, so they I can think close it down like Times Square. Yeah. But the problem, again, with that is great i'm still not going to eat outside anywhere because literally it feels like a hundred degrees and there's no breeze most of the time away from the ocean here even though we're in south florida so it's hot it's humid i don't know if there'll be shade hopefully they could make some shade but it's still unbearably sticky, and that's not a good eating well, down environment. Here, down here, outdoor air conditioning companies and, and companies that have fan, that are fan makers are going to be making a lot of money with regards to that. I, I think that each business is going to have to change depending on what its location is, and and a lot of the businesses are going to make the leap online if at all possible. Online to order food, for example, from restaurants or delivery services are going to Grubhub. If you if they if Grubhub is public, you should buy Grubhub stock. Or or there may or there may <laughs> right be a now. new or there may be a new and there'll probably be a number of different even small companies, small uh, restaurants are going to have delivery. Okay, I have a question. Every other business. Wait, before you do that, okay. I want to just talk about other businesses, clothes stores and retail stores. They're going to make the leap online. Websites, website technology is going to advance so quickly that you are going to do the grand majority of your shopping online if you don't already. Well, because Amazon's just going to buy everything. They're already looking to buy JCPenney's. There you go. So everything that's starting to go out of business, Hertz is going out of business. The car, I don't say going out of business. I said they're going to declare bankruptcy. Maybe someone will come in and snatch them up or someone will save them. But <clears throat> they don't have the money to survive. Maybe Amazon buys Hertz. Amazon's going to buy everything. They already bought Fresh Market. Mm -hmm. They're already in the grocery store business. They're just going to end up owning everything. Or Whole Foods. Whole Foods. I'm sorry. I said Fresh Market. Whole Foods. Yes, you oh, are oh, absolutely right. And speaking of which, these retail stores, remember you can go into a store 
the good thing about going into a store is you can ask the employees something about the product that you would like to buy. You can yeah. ask questions. I think that these online stores will mm -hmm. almost all, even ours, may have like a chat function, a chat bot like they all have. Except that would be lovely and I would love to have one. It is very expensive. Right. Hundreds, that will change. hundreds of dollars that will a change. month for me that, if I wanted to do that. That will change. Even as, now. As, as there's a huge crowd that are going to need this, there are going to be many other companies are going to do it and there's going to be a lot more competition and it, it will be less expensive to have that. You think? But it's going to be something that is going to occur. That would be lovely except that what usually happens is one person sets the price and then as everyone comes along, they either match the price or they go a little bit higher because they're better. So uh, what I have found is in the competition world so far, at least with the phone answering service, it is very, 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 very expensive. I spent hundreds of dollars for 50 minutes of answering service. 50 can, minutes. All I can say is that... Let I alone a chat. I disagree. I think the competition is going to I drive the price so. down. Well, that would be just lovely. But let's go back to restaurants for just a second. Um, I think if, if we're getting past this COVID and we do get some treatments that are working and people are being more responsible, I don't think we need to social distance in restaurants for very long. We, we just can't do this to these companies. We can't do it. They can't survive. The beauty salons can't survive. The, the little cafes and restaurants that are run by mom and pop who decided 20 or 30 years ago that they had some good re recipes and it was their dream to open a, a, a tea and biscuit place or a sandwich shop or a pizzeria or, you know, they had a good recipe for steaks, whatever it is. If we don't get rid of the social distancing inside the restaurants and I don't know who's going to eat with a mask on, you know, I saw some ridiculous thing. I'm not kidding. Yeah. Somebody has invented a mask that has a plastic piece that goes over your top lip and, and bottom lip attached to the mask. And when you open your mouth, the plastic opens up because it's up against your lips. And then you could put your food in and then close your lips. And then the plastic closes back up and you could eat your food. Well, it is seems the silliest, absurd to me. Yeah. silliest looking <laughs> Most ridiculous thing I've ever seen in my life, but somebody's quote invented this. I will never, ever wear something like no. that in a restaurant. And I agree. And you and I looking at each other, how romantic is a dinner when <laughs> wearing a piece of plastic that opens up so I can well, put food in it? Well, I would have it ha have a goatee oh. painted on it so that I would look oh. more like me. Now, Lord help me. Now, I will say this: that what? if things go do really go back, if we go a few years without any significant flu or insignificant um, uh, corona repeat waves of, of this, which I I think uh -huh. is unlikely, I think we will have it. But if we didn't, and we do go back to totally normal, I still think that companies like that, restaurants, are going to have a sign here. You're, eat at your own risk if you are. Yes. Over 65. Yes. Have underlying health conditions. Um, are obese or whatever whatever they found are the are the high risk factors that lead to severe cases. All they have to do this. is say if you are at risk. For, get, for, for having complications right. or getting COVID. I just cough. Eat at your own. Oh yeah, you always cough. Oh eat gosh. at your own risk. 
That's it. We all have to take personal responsibility, which means a restaurant should not tell me that I can't sit at this booth that happens to be four and a half feet away from some other people who are eating there. If I decide that I want to eat that food and I want to go in there, it's my responsibility. We have to put the responsibility on the patrons, on the customers to make sure that they maintain their safety. If they touch a million things and then shove their fingers in their mouth, although they're saying this is maybe a less chance less, of yes. touch. CDC recently said that. Right, okay. transmission, which is By great. Sur- from surfaces. Yeah. Love that. But if I choose to sit in a restaurant with other people, even at full capacity, that is my decision, my responsibility. I have to take care of myself. I have to do what I have to do now. If for I feel- that to happen, we would ha- for that to happen mm-hmm. very simply, we would have to legislate protections against liability. Yes, for people that wind up getting sick and decide to sue these restaurants. Well, I'd and li- throw them out of business. That, but you know what? I'd like result. to know how they were going to prove that they got it at Pizza Heaven and not McDonald's that they went to the day well, before. Well, they can't prove how that they didn't. Anyone's going to prove. Well, if you go to different places, you went to the grocery store, then you went to Home Depot, then you stopped by McDonald's for your kids, then that night you went out to dinner to a restaurant. That's four places in one day. And you can imagine how that accumulates if you're not getting sick for two weeks. How are you supposed to pin that down? I'd like to see a lawyer prove which location you got that COVID from. There is no very, way. I think it would be very easy for a lawyer to wind up threatening a, a company. All, and, all these and, places? And their insurance and their their liability insurance settling for a certain amount. Okay, well then that's going to put all, every business it happens it's gonna all put the every business in the country out. That's why there has to be some kind of protection legislated I agree. into it against liability. I agree. I absolutely agree. We have to take personal responsibility in this country. If you put yourself in these places and you're not washing your hands and you're not being careful about who you're around and you have risk factors, then that is your responsibility. You have to decide that I'm either going to keep myself sit, keep myself healthy or I'm going to put myself at risk. But we have to do that ourselves because nobody's going to walk into your house and, and, and throw COVID on you. <laughs> right? Right. Nobody's going to stop you from cleaning your hands. Right. That's very true. Well, you know what? We have been talking a lot about all this stuff. And there's actually some more uh, predictions that I have that I think we should go over but and this is great. By the way, this is a lively discussion. <laughs> Can you tell I'm a little passionate about personal responsibility? Yes. Personal responsibility is the thing. And I am not eating in restaurants until I don't have to wear a mask. So that's it. I right. will no, cook, I don't think cook you ha- forever. I don't, think you'll I don't have, care. I don't think you'll have to wear a mask in restaurants. That's the thing. Oh, no. But there are some places that are requiring it. That you wear a mask in That a patron wears a mask in the restaurant. Absolutely. In Broward County, it is right now. All right. Well, that is and a little Dave. crazy, and I think some of these some of these things are a little politically motivated. We're going to talk about that in future shows, as well as some of the other things that I think are going to happen that are going to be permanent changes. But today, that's all the time we have. We thank you for listening to the Survival <laughs> Medicine Podcast. Thank you. Ranting and raving today. No. On, and I will hope you have a safe Memorial Day and a moment of silence, please, for those who have given their lives for our country. Amen.
You've been listening to the Doom and Bloom Hour with medical preparedness experts Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy. Check out our website at www.doomandbloom.net for hundreds of informative articles about survival medicine, gardening, natural remedies, medical supplies, and lots of other good stuff. Contact us, send your email to drbonespodcast at aol.com or use the contact form on the main page of the website. See you next week. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.